destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, that's right. I'm George. Yeah. I'm Larry. Hi. How you doing? Hi. Who are you? Uh, uh, I'm Larry. Oh, hi. I'm George. Okay. Well, uh... George, you love Star Trek, right? No, I hate it. Well. Well, so you mispronounced it you... in Star Trek. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we'll get to it, but I'm just going to say at the start, if you don't like Star Trek talk, <laughs> shut this episode off. No, don't. not yet. <laughs> there will be a clear demarcation at the Star Trek point. Okay, uh, that's but, probably hey, a good idea. Here's the thing. Nothing came out this week. Neither of us have been playing no. anything new. So, uh, well, neither I've of been, us been, have been playing anything new. I've been playing a little. Neither bit. of us have been playing anything new. I've been playing a tiny bit. Nope. Of you something not. that is new-ish. Nope. You haven't. Well, well Super I guess Nintendo that's that games that from 1994 are not newish. <laughs> no, it's not that I. I went back to Yakuza like a dragon. I'm oh. giving it another shot. Here we go. I'm taking another pass at this thing. I'm now on at chapter almost six. Almost every day I would log in, uh, wake up, open up uh, Discord for our private channel because AIM doesn't work anymore, so this is what we have to do. And I'll see you saying, hmm, trade-in values for like a dragon pretty good right <laughs> now. I could go trade that in. Or just like yeah, every... Every excuse you can think of to tell me you don't like it, as if I care, like as if I'm going to take it personally. Although I just I, I, I feel will that admit I'm I did I did try to go onto Twitter and try to find the post where you looked at where they said uh, all Yakuza games will be RPGs from now on, and you were like, "Yay!" And I tried to find that, but I couldn't. But anyway, I don't think vindicated yet again. Find, but... Well, it's yeah, well, it's because I don't know exactly what you said to it. I don't know if it was yes, like how many E's it was, or how many S's, <laughs> etc. Um, anyway. Well, I'm giving it another shot. I've now set up a business. Mm. I, I fired the old employees, and I put a chicken in charge. Yeah. I, I punched some guys. I, I unlocked a psycho. So I, yeah, I have her Psycho's on my team great. now. She's yeah, she's great. Um, it, I don't know. I'm liking it better than I did, but it's still. Look, I just don't well, want I mean, to disappoint you. I don't want to let you down. I know that Yakuza means a lot to you, and does. so I want to enjoy it too. But boy, but, but well, the thing is, though, yes, it does mean a lot to me. This game in particular does not. It's like if you were re like if you were insulting Yakuza three or six, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, well, I can't insult three because that has Japanese Adam Carolla in it. Well, yeah, true. So that's um, you know beyond so, criticism that game. 
Yeah. But yes, the thing with Yakuza Like a Dragon is I don't dislike it. Um, I think it's fine. It's just that there are major balancing issues and stuff in it that I could see them improving a lot with a sequel. Uh, that plus the yeah. pacing, like a lot of issues like that with it. Uh, making so like a actual... third of the game missing one of your companions is kind of stupid. Uh, that's like Digital Devil Saga level dumb. Oh, um, God. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too, though, is like I, I've played RPGs where they've done things like that, but they balance it out. Like Final Fantasy IX is just that you have no control over who is in your active party until probably the last quarter of that game. Yeah. But each character feels like they have the exact appropriate utility for the part of the game where they come in. So they balance it around the concept of you're constantly shuffling these party members out for story reasons. Digital Devil Saga does not do that. Somebody leaves your party, you're boned, you have somebody who's completely underleveled, and now you have to just run around and grind. And then they die at the end of that dungeon, so it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, but yeah, if Yakuza's like that, where they just take a very crucial member out, and now you're stuck having to level everybody else up to compensate. Like, that's not good. I hate that. I mean, the job switching thing lets you get around that quite a bit. Um, okay. And that's partly why I recommend leveling up the host job to get that ice attack, because otherwise you're going to be without magic for a while. Uh, so it might oh, be a good I idea that. to uh, yeah, I better to do that. Better do that. Yeah, I... I disregarded every hint that I had in regards to the jobs and just went with um, Seiko's a idol. Uh, yeah, that, Adachi, I, that's what I had her as like forever. Yeah, uh, Adachi. I made um, like a he's like a riot officer. Oh, that one sucks. I, like I would yeah, not. Yeah, I'm realizing just, like, that switch now. off that one because it doesn't really have anything useful. Yeah. But like I'm, I'm at a point in the game where I can't just run back and do that right now. I got a bunch of story shit yeah. to sit through, uh, and then Nanba, I made a musician. Musician seems useful, like because he can Musician's debuff the entire enemy it, team. It is, so. but like his just base homeless guy class is easily the best. Like yeah. it's the best caster, and uh, you you might might not have that available to you for a good chunk of the game. Oh, so. No. Yeah, the, the thing that actually made me bounce off of it the first time was reading that you eventually hit a boss who is way over-leveled for you, and you are forced into grinding, and then the final dungeon is that tower, a Millennium Tower. Yeah. So you have to go through that thing regardless. It is not optional. Oh, it is? Okay. I thought yeah. it was just, yeah, that sort nope. of like... Climbing oh. that is the final dungeon. I guess you can probably go into it like at a certain point of the game and like work well, through some of the floors and slowly I, I get I also, up it. Maybe, I also but... bet maybe you don't have to go all the way through it it's at the end, and, it and so too. it's like yeah. probably got a hundred floors or something like that, and that's yeah. the like end game challenge basically. Because I was seeing stuff saying like you basically have to be max level to get this yeah. all the way and through. Leveling up is is so slow in mm. that game. I'm like I'm like ten hours in and I'm level fifteen still. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think a lot of that is that most of your XP comes from story stuff, and so yeah, it's like trying to grind yeah. out on the streets doesn't do a whole lot for you. Yeah. So I I still don't know that I'm going to 
exactly beat the thing. I just, I went back to it. I wanted to give it another shot before I I'm... finally caved in and, and sent it off to GameStop. I'm really surprised that you didn't trade it in because you could have gotten just like $5 less than what you spent on it. I mean, I still could, is the thing. I think it's still that value. I don't know. At GameStop. But it was twenty. It was like twenty bucks, twenty five bucks, like a few days ago, a couple days ago. So yeah, I should just check again. I I like to imagine that when you trade in a game at GameStop, they're just doing that thing like uh, the the steamroller running over all the Bitcoin oh. computers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just take the disc out, they start smashing it with a hammer. I thought you were gonna say like the uh, Al Gore book in The Simpsons where they scan it and then it goes back to the guys <laughs> in Japan and they're like somebody traded in like a dragon and they go, go like somebody has to commit seppuku because of that. Could have said he pulls out the seppuku knife. Yeah. yeah oh, well, man. that's that's a bit harsh. Probably just has to cut off a pinky. You know, like the yakuza. That's. Well, he's got no fingers left. Too many <laughs> copies got returned. Yeah. Uh, yakuza uh... like a dragon. Hey, Get what if now, I could play Yakuza don't. like a dragon on a handheld device? Uh, well, how would that work? Uh, probably not well. I, I bet that whatever it would be, it would be severely outdated within a year after launch. Maybe. I'm talking about the Steam Deck, Larry. Steam Deck. I love the Steam Deck, and I hate the Steam Deck. Why do you love the Steam Deck? Because I think it's really funny that they intentionally waited for Nintendo to step in <laughs> shit. Yeah. And then announced their thing. Like, they knew, as anyone with, like, half a brain cell would, that Nintendo wouldn't announce a pro. Yeah. Even though we got duped into it. We have, like, one brain cell, but it's between us. We're sharing it. Uh, but they waited until Nintendo announced the OLED thing. And not a pro version, and then we're like, "Hey, we got you covered. Here's basically a pro version of the Switch, and it plays all your games off Steam. So why don't you buy that instead?" The thing is, this is also like much better than the Switch because pretty much anything on the Switch you could just get on Steam anyway, but yeah. cheaper because eShop yeah. sales are garbage. Well, even that. So, friend of the show, Dylan would extol to you the the virtues of just pirating switch games yeah and this the steam deck you could just install windows on it so there's really nothing stopping you if you really want to from Mm -hmm. just pirating switch games and playing it on the steam deck and having them play better than they would on the switch maybe i don't know i feel like switch emulation might require more horsepower than this thing has i'm not sure i think that this would have enough the thing to is, like, run them better. But again, like all the stuff you could just pirate the Windows versions of them. Like you don't really know need to go through this extra step unless you just sure. mean like Zelda and Mario or whatever. Well, yes, that's what I mean. Oh, like it's specifically yeah. the games that you would not be able to just get through Steam, which would be the first party ones and the second party stuff. Like that—that's what I'm talking about with pirating sure. Switch games. Um. I looked into Switch emulation though, and that seems pretty hit or miss. I um, I do get the feeling that maybe it's not as good as Dylan says it is. Apparently, it is very good for Zelda, and that's basically it. And because Great. I looked at a bunch of stuff, and it was like, well, this like it gets to the main menu, 
So, so it's like the uh, PlayStation 3 thing where it's clear that they really just wanted to make sure support for one specific game. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, you get cool. Demon Souls and that's about it. And then yeah. they made a remake of that, so whatever. <laughs> but yeah, like I... The problem with it, it, I guess, is that it's just the hardware is going to be very outdated within like a couple of years anyway. Uh, Probably. At least that's the but... sense that I'm getting from a lot of like tech teardowns of the of the thing. Granted, everyone's going off of like secondhand information that they're getting from the one news outlet that actually got information directly from Valve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no one's really had a hands on. No one's been able to do an actual physical teardown of the thing. Uh, so. You know, some of it's speculation, but based on some of the stuff that is inside of it, around a year or two is what I've been heard or been hearing as far as like it will be up to date and current to that point, and then it's going to start getting bottlenecked. Um, and yeah, then well, like the so memory something... on that thing is fucking crazy to me. Yeah, <laughs> sixty-four gigabytes for the four hundred dollar version. Oh, the storage. There's so right. yeah. Like I get that you can you can use a uh, flash storage and you can expand it, uh, and that you know, SD cards and stuff are getting very very cheap. But it, the promise that you would be able to put games on that, plug it in, and have it immediately pick up and run well off those things, like that's a little bit more dubious to me. Mm-hmm. I would need to actually see that in practice to decide if that is worth it versus just buying a unit that has more onboard memory. Yeah. So. Uh... Apparently Gaben, someone emailed him about that and asked like if on the smaller one it even like if it still has the uh, SSD slot, which is kind of a dumb thing to ask because of course it would. Like they're not making a separate board just for yeah. that. Um, but he said it would. But then the issue of like how easy is it to actually get in there and replace it? Like eh, eh. Also. It- NVMe SSDs, that's hard to say, um, are not cheap. And so it's probably better to just get the biggest one anyway. Oh no, from what I was hearing, you can just, you can get a little flash card and just oh, stick yeah, it right yeah. in. Oh yeah, you can, but that's not going to be as fast. No, that, and that's the point I was making was, well, if you wanted to save money, is it really worth it to just buy a flash card with more memory on it? Because that's oh, probably be cheaper than an NVMe. Yeah, uh, or just splurging for the more expensive unit. Also depends um, on just what you want to play on it. Like if you just want it for Stardew Valley or something, then sure. Yeah, just get an SD card. Although at that at point, that point though, also, <laughs> like, why get yeah. a uh, beefy boy portable PC? The thing for is, four hundred dollars to play shit like Stardew Valley or yeah. anything else that like. Why? Well, I mean, I guess you could play like Cruelty Squad on that. Oh no, that you would couldn't fit actually. On the well, 64 gigabyte version. I guess you could with the uh, using the touchpad to reload and stuff. Actually, hold on. Let me check to see what the install size is for. She will punish them. <laughs> Not bringing this up again. <laughs> um, I. I don't really know about the Steam Deck. I think it's not necessarily a bad idea. It's a lot better of an idea than the Steam machines were. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and there's definitely a market for it because I've looked at these sort of portable PCs in the past, and for one thing, they were always way more expensive than this. They're always like 
yeah $1200 or something and they all just yeah. looked ridiculous they were all like a laptop with Joy-Cons glued to the side or something this at least looks like a regular handheld kind of even though it's yeah. big i also actually kind don't of... i don't understand why people are, are so weirded out by the like a uh, stick and d-pad placement to me that makes more sense than having them above and below each other I don't mind necessarily how high up they are. I mind how close they are to the edge of the actual unit. Yeah, maybe. But, like, even... It's not bugging me that much. I think that the uh, touchpads are probably a good idea. I've not actually used the Steam controller, but from what I've heard, those pads actually work really well on yeah, that thing. Yeah, the thing with that was it worked fine. It's just that there were very few use cases for yeah. it, so why bother? Yeah, so it's, you know, I don't doubt the quality of those touchpads on the actual device. So it's fine to me that they're included. It's probably good to have them in case you wanted to play something like Civ on that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Disco Elysium Um, as it shows in the trailer and stuff. The thing that weirds me out are the the paddle buttons on the back, which I would guess there must be an option to disable those because otherwise I feel like you'd just be smacking them all the time on accident. Probably. I really like that the form factor of this thing is reminiscent of the Game Gear, though. Yeah. It's a real Game Gear-ass looking handheld, and I think that's perfect for its direct competition being a Nintendo handheld. The Gabe Gear. (laughs) Yes. Why didn't they call it the Gabe Gear? (laughs) I don't know. Well, they could have got away with it, too. Yeah. But... Yeah, I... I don't know. There was part of me that looked at that thing and was just like, oh, I mean, I could emulate PlayStation 2 games real good on that, and then I had to pull myself back because it's $400. I'm not spending $400 on a handheld where I'm potentially, again, just going to use it to emulate old games. Yeah. I'll just do that on my PC. Uh, but it can uh, hook up to a monitor. I mean, you, you can technically, like, air quotes, dock this thing because it is just a computer. Sure. Uh, so you can just plug in a, uh, you know, some sort of monitor to it and just run everything off that. But it's still going to be limited to the hardware that is inside of that thing. In the same way that a Switch is a handheld because it's all based on the hardware that is inside that handheld. So it is held back by by that by its form factor like the same thing's going to be true of the steam deck so i'm sure it will be outdated very very quickly between that and the limited amount of memory on it i just personally i don't think it's worth the money Uh, but i am glad that there is some sort of like direct competition against the switch so even though this is not for me necessarily i hope it does well because I think that Nintendo needs an actual competitor going against them, or they're going to continue to just coast. Yeah. Well, let's be real, they're going to anyway. They they're don't going care. to still just coast. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Nintendo freaks will buy up anything. And someone just yesterday tell me that Metroid Prime 4 will run great on the DLSS Switch. <laughs> I nearly died from laughing too hard. All the oxygen got sucked out of my body. I'm making a DLSS switch, and they're not making Metroid Prime Four. What the fuck are you talking about? I think them like using DLSS as a way around, like actually putting the sort of hardware in it that needs, is a fairly realistic 
like viewpoint to what they might do. Because it's well, just that's... like, yeah, we'll use some trickery to make you think this is higher resolution. So I want to say, I can't remember exactly, because I kind of just like listened to it while it was playing SMT and I wasn't completely focused on it, but there was a Digital Foundry uh, podcast where they were talking about all this. And I think that they said that the type of chips that you need to make DLS as possible would still require them creating a different architecture for the Switch. Yeah. And that they would just not, it's not worth the money to do that mm. at this point. They're so better off sure. just making an entirely new console. Yeah, I wasn't sure exactly what the uh, like cost efficiency would be for that if they could just like crap out some new boards yeah. that could do it or what. I don't know. The Digital Foundry guys, their opinion was Nintendo is definitely working on something like that, but it is going to be an entirely new thing and not just like a different skew of the Switch. And I agree with that. I mean, that's I what I thought. Too. Yeah. yeah, there's just at this point, it's very doubtful they're going to put a pro unit out. They're just going to make an entirely new thing. They'll make a Switch 2 or something like that. I mean, just make it backwards call it that, compatible though, and but... it's fine. Yeah. Like, it... It would still basically function the same way. I I would think that they would. I imagine that they would. But it's Nintendo, who knows? It's Nintendo, so who knows? I'll switch over to UMDs. They're coming back. UMDs are back. No, they aren't. Oh, I wish they were. I like UMDs. Me too. You get a little I like when... get a disc and a little cartridge. It's the best of both yeah. worlds. Like that Star Trek episode. Hey, speaking of Star Trek. What? Uh, I took a break from watching TNG. Uh, this is lying, by the way. And myself in a different like, way. Turn yeah. this off. <laughs> Don't care about Star Stop Trek. Stop listening to this podcast. This, that's it. This is it for the rest yeah. of this. There's nothing for you beyond this point. There might be a retro corner if we don't go on too long, but otherwise... Doubt it. All Star Trek all the time, baby. Uh, I decided to watch the original Trek movies. I talked about this before on the podcast. I, I watched the, the motion picture. And it's not as bad as people say it is. I watched The Wrath of Khan, still a terrific movie. Uh, but in in the intervening time between that recording and now, I finished all of them. Uh, oh, I, I finished well, watching The Undiscovered not, Country the night before last. I'm not going to talk about that. That'll be for next no. week. Because I have to watch it. You're going to watch the, the Undiscovered Country? Yes. Okay. Isn't it one of the good ones? I'm not sure why you would do that and not watch <laughs> all the others is, is more because, the thing. Because I don't want to watch the crappy ones? <laughs> is it, I thought that was always the thing is the even-numbered ones are the good ones, so you have two, four, and six. Kind of, but like again, I think one is not bad. Well, I think I one's don't know fine. I I, I, I on think this. that. So before before we get into Star Trek Four, I'm just going to share my thoughts about this whole thing, this whole movie series, and why I think it's interesting, and why I think you just skipping to undiscovered countries probably not a great idea. Actually, uh, the first well, Trek it's movie that basically. Or I'm not going to watch it at all. Because I'm not <laughs> I mean, going to watch. I think you probably should just not watch it. I'm at all. I'm not going to watch Final Frontier. What does God need with a starship? And all of that nonsense. Battle Frontier, fuck it, sucks so much. <laughs> See? Um, it's terrible. Oh, why would you want to skip five? <laughs> you get, I mean, five actually might be the one that you can skip. 
but three not so much. So well, I did, and guess what? I feel no regret. Here's here's the thing about this movie series, right? The, the motion picture barely counts as part of the movie series. Like Wrath of Khan basically just resets everything. We even talked about this how like at the end of one, the crew is back together, everyone is where they belong, and then in the second movie, they kind of like retread that ground and have everyone broken apart at the start of it only for them to come together and be back where they belong so like you really don't need to see the first one it just doesn't matter uh the enterprise looks completely different between those two movies as well uh but what they do from that point on is each of the trek movies pick up exactly where the previous one left off Mm -hmm. so it very much does come across like another season of it's almost like DS9 in a way, I guess. Like they're telling a through story from from two until six. There is a full narrative that they are telling with these things, and they're just broken up into chapters. And I think that's neat. I like that each one just picks up where the last one left off. Uh, the biggest time skip that exists within that is between five and six. Okay. Because like at the at the end of five, like the the Klingons are ready to come to the table and start talking about peace with the Romulans and the Federation, and then Spock's brother does some weird shit. There, God's involved. Mm-hmm. Giant space head chases Kirk and shoots laser beams at him. It's terrible. Oh, like Zardoz. Um, yeah, it's exactly like Zardoz. Great. The it's phaser great like, the end is of that movie. good. What? <laughs> In that movie, there's this like desert planet, and that's where Cybok, Spock's brother, is. And they have to go there and like defuse a hostage situation because Cybok has held like these ambassadors hostage. They take him off the desert planet and they go to find God. And God is just on a different fucking desert planet. It's just another desert. They land there and they just put like a purple color filter over everything, and then everyone's like Oh, wow. What a magnificent alien world. Look at these beautiful vistas. And it's just like, motherfucker, I could drive like 15 minutes from my apartment and find where they shot this movie. (laughs) (laughs) There are more beautiful places in my own backyard than where they filmed this thing. They clearly ran out of money. Oh, it's terrible. And all God is in that movie is it's just another like energy entity. It was imprisoned off the planet and it just wants off. That's it. So obviously it's not actually it's that, God. That Futurama episode. Yeah. Which I think is probably just a reference to this. But <laughs> Oh, you, also, you like, think it... the episode that featured William Shatner and the rest of the cast was maybe a well, reference I forgot to Star Trek? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched anything to do with Futurama. But... How could you forget though that's the one with William Shatner uh doing the real slim shady? I completely forgot about that. <laughs> that's a good that sounds, bit. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. It makes sense that they got the oh, whole cast because none shady. of them would have to Please be Please stand this... up. Please. It makes sense stand that up. they got the whole cast though, because none of them would have to be in the same room as William Shatner to record their lines. Yeah. That's probably a sweet deal for all of them. Yeah. Also they got them to say nuclear vessels. <laughs> I really like though in Star Trek 6 how uh Sulu is never shot in like the same frame as William Shatner. <laughs> in uh in 4 I think 
uh, I think there are some parts on the ship where he's there with him, but most of it is just him hanging out in that helicopter. Yeah. yeah, they're they're pretty far apart from each other. Like it's it's clear that by the time they shot six, George Takei's condition for coming back was I do not want to be in the same room as William Shatner. Uh, Sulu has his own command, so every time those characters interact. It's through view screens, just recording their bits completely separate and then just kind of like chaining it all together in edit. And it's great, too, because even though like watching that thing, you know, the context behind them being apart is that these two actors fucking hate each other. But the way that they write all their scenes and lines, it's always like, I'm proud of you, Captain Sulu. Oh, thanks, Captain Kirk. And they're very cordial and they're very like congratulatory towards each other. Fantastic. <laughs> it's like, all right, fine, we'll make it so you don't have to record together, but you need to kiss each other's ass. Uh, anyway. anyway. Uh three. What do you gotta say about three? The search for Spock. Kind of boring. But like Kirk's son dies in it. I guess that's really the most important thing. Because that kind of sows the the seeds of prejudice inside Kirk that don't get resolved until six. So like a lot about six is based on Kirk not trusting the Klingons at all. Yeah. So obviously, since I didn't watch three, I wasn't sure what the whole thing about that was, or yeah. the Klingons being mad at him and being like, "There will be no peace as long as Kirk is alive." And yeah. Starfleet and, and guys because... just being like, "All right, sure." <laughs> that's because of. So the Genesis device went off. Uh, because Spock's uh, capsule coffin touched down on the Genesis planet, Spock was also regenerated from the Genesis device from two. Yeah, uh, of and, course. And Kirk goes to rescue him, but Made in doing stupid, so, though. he <laughs> like he got conked on Just... the head with a coconut. Yeah, the king sharked him. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um... It's like Fred Flintstone hitting the head with a bowling ball. <laughs> Now he thinks he's a race car driver This is the weirdest episode of Gilligan's Island <laughs> um, Yeah so they go to rescue him But in doing so they run afoul Of uh, some Klingons who want The Genesis device The Klingons view the Genesis device purely as a weapon That breaks some sort of like It's basically their Thing that they can point to and go like See you can't trust the Federation because look at The horrific shit that they're building This will they're completely terraform like Geneva and conventions them. Basically. Essentially, yeah. I don't think there's like a formal treaty saying like you can't build things like this, but it's still them going like, hey, no, they're basically building nuclear weapons over there. How can you expect us to trust people like this? Um and then Especially th funny th considering later like you just have Captain Cisco irradiating entire planets as a goof. <laughs> sure. That's no, fine. It's the Maquis. It's their own people. They 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 can do whatever they want. Yeah. Uh but yeah, the Enterprise gets blown up and then Kirk ends up killing the Klingons that are involved in this whole thing and steals their bird of prey. And so the Klingons now have a beef with Kirk and Kirk has a beef with them because his son died in the process. Uh, so that sets up some very important stuff that gets paid off later on in the movie series. But for the purposes of Star Trek IV, it doesn't matter as much. The only thing that you kind of need to know is Spock is back and the Enterprise is gone. Uh, and now a spaceship full of whales is coming towards Earth, and it's screwing up the weather real bad. 
Well, it's not. There aren't whales in it. It's just trying to sure. communicate with whales. Sure, sure, sure. I like the look of that probe thing, though. It does look suitably alien. Yes, it does. It's like a giant, like, obelisk. And it's like almost. a cylinder, and then, like, a little yeah. orb comes out of it. Yeah. Weird. Like, at the end where it sucks up the earth. Kind of just, you know, swishes it around in its mouth, spits it out. Uh. And goes back to whatever part of the galaxy it's from. Uh, but yeah, so... It is trying to communicate through whale song. Whales have been extinct for a number of years by the time of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And so the only option to get this thing to go back to where it came from is to go take some whales from the past and bring them into the future and have those whales uh, sing to the probe. And and that'll solve everybody's problems. That Uh, also, uh, Kirk seems to think that two whales will repopulate the species. Um... (laughs) Which I think you might need maybe more than just two uh, to have that uh, done well, in any sort of timely matter. Whales are going to get real stupid. <laughs> you know, like fuck. Yeah, like King Shark. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so they go back in time. There's a thing that happens plenty in Star Trek, so this isn't like too much of a leap. Uh, I really like the sequence of them going back in time. Mm hmm. Slingshotting around the sun And then like giant CGI versions of themselves Like emerging yeah. from clouds Writhing in agony it, It's so fucking weird looking Uh huh It's Like uh, like I said the motion picture Is so far removed from what the rest of these movies End up becoming but this one sequence Is very Star Trek the motion picture Like they just wanted to do A very weird effects heavy sequence And it it's Wonderful and it's bizarre and I liked it a whole lot. Like the opening of a James Bond movie. <laughs> sure. A bunch of uh silhouettes of naked William Shatner dancing with gun drawn. Now you're talking. <laughs> uh Sulu's on a trampoline, he's just jumping into shot, it's great. Uh uh-huh. Spock explodes into end- like dust. Oh, that'd be real good. Uh, they end up going back to uh, 1980s LA. Or no, San Francisco, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's where Starfleet uh, is. But something that I found really funny about this is like in all the other time travel related things that I've seen from Star Trek, which granted has been part of like the continuity after the original series, like characters are at least educated enough on the time period that they're going to that they know how to mostly blend in and not draw too much attention to themselves. Like I'm specifically thinking of when Cisco and Bashir go back in time to like the 2020s. Yeah. And like Bell yeah, riots. they they kind of yeah, they they kind of fuck up the timeline a little bit, but it's <laughs> a little bit Cisco showing <laughs> up in the bit. history books. Sure. This guy looks like your dad, Jake. <laughs> or no, it was a uh, Nogs on the ship reading for Earth history and he's like this guy kind of looks like Cisco. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the the thing with the Bell Rights though was not that they were going around and just being like, "Duh, what's money?" <laughs> Double yeah, but, damn it! But it's also a much better movie because of that. Sure. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm. This is not a knock on the movie. It's just in terms of like the way that 
the continuity of Trek is portrayed. Yeah. It's weird how every member of the original Enterprise goes to the past and everyone just immediately becomes a dumbass. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's really good it's as far as bringing like, humor to the movie. It's worth it for like him going to that antique shop and bringing him the glasses and <laughs> saying, like, well, I can get $100 for it. Great. Is that a lot? <laughs> And then like splitting the hundred bucks up between everyone going like don't spit it all in one place. Yeah. Just imagining him Can't handing even... like five dollars to Sulu and just being like, alright, figure it out. I need you to get me a Huey. What does exact change mean? <laughs> I do like Spock uh just tying a headband around himself <laughs> yes. to hide his ears, except he doesn't do anything to act different, so he's no. still completely conspicuous. And that's the thing, like, Kirk also knows enough about history for him to say, like, he was a hippie at Berkeley who did too much LDS, and so that's yeah. why he acts that way. Yes. But he still doesn't know enough to understand the value of $100. No. So it's good. It's just a really good, like, I've said it before on this podcast, I really enjoy stories where a character is out of place, out of time, and they do not understand the society that they're now in. It's a really good vehicle for, for comedy, and yep. that's all this movie is, and I love it a whole lot. Yep. Got, um, you know, Bill and Ted, like stuff with Napoleon yeah. in the current time. Got the samurai in the current time from Ninja Turtles 3. Yeah. All the best movies. I like the bit where they're Blast in the from bus. from the past with Brendan Fraser. What? I like the part where they're in the bus and the guy has yes. the ghetto blaster. He's uh, playing this punk song. And I had to look it up because I, I was like, everyone. is that an actual song? Yeah. <laughs> I had to look it up. I was wondering if it was an actual song. It was a song that was just made for this movie mm -hmm. uh, by a band called Edge of Etiquette, which is a very, <laughs> very obscure band because it only existed to record this one song. And then they broke up. Sure. That makes sense. Um, specifically for Memory Alpha, the reason for the obscurity of Edge of Etiquette is the band not having existed longer than approximately one and a half days after the movie had gone into post-production. Uh, Thatcher provided the vocals as well as lyrics for the song. The rest of the team consisted of several such members of the sound department, uh, as Mark Mangini, uh, who converted the tune Thatcher had in mind, for the song uh, to something that could be played. Um, but I just really like that they went through all the trouble of, well, we need an authentic sounding punk song, but we're not going to license anything, so let's make a band and make a song. And then they finished rapping the movie and were like, eh, we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah, why would they? They got it done. Yeah, sure. Um, I was trying to remember, too, like the, the guy who plays the punk worked on a bunch of other stuff as well bill paxton yep that's him he got it <laughs> uh i kind of just speaking of production stuff and you're talking about them wanting to keep the cost down and stuff uh you can kind of tell that's why they have uh an invisible ship for most of this oh sure which, which is very like good I think this was also like the most expensive one that they did up to this point, though. Oh, really? I I think it had like because I checked that too. I was like, I, I wonder if the reason this movie exists in modern day, it, and barely shows any ships or aliens or anything like that, 
is just, well, they wanted to make another Trek movie on the cheap. They never even use um, the phaser in it. No, they don't. Um, by the way, uh, Kirk R. Thatcher is the guy who plays the punk. Uh, the reason why I wanted to remember to bring him up is he worked on the visual effects for RoboCop 2, uh, oh. Return of the Jedi, and he was a writer for Muppets Tonight. So this guy <laughs> okay. has had his hands in like a bunch of stuff that you and I enjoy. Uh, Great. So just being the punk in, <laughs> in Star Trek Four is just another feather in his cap. Oh, well, sure, he got to, wonderful. Got to get Vulcan nerve pinched by Spock. Yeah, that's, that's an honor. Yeah. Uh, there was a whole lot of other connections that I was making like this, and I began to realize that I'm suffering from Mike Stoklaska brain. Uh oh. Because I remember uh, Gillian Taylor plays um, the 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 doctor in this. I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Thought it was. Are you sure about that? Yeah, it's Gillian Taylor. Doctor, oh, or I'm sorry, Doctor Gillian Hicks. Taylor is the. I'm sorry, that's. I'm getting it backwards. Catherine Hicks is the actress. Okay. Gillian Taylor is the character that she plays. All right, that's what I thought. I'm sorry, I I screwed it up, but. Catherine Hicks plays her. Catherine Hicks, of course, played uh, the mom in Child's Play. Yep. Uh, which also starred Brad Dorif, uh -huh. who is in three episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, right. Uh, he plays like a serial, serial killer. killer. Yeah. yeah. Of course. And, and, and it's Tuvok. a Brad Dorif character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two hog mind melts with him. It's one of like the highest regarded episodes of, or really like, not necessarily a string of episodes, because I don't remember if they're all back-to-back, -back, but I, I know that specific one where he mind-melts and, and Tubok kind of takes on the serial killer persona is like one of the most regarded episodes of Voyager. Uh, Brad Dorff, though, also was in Child's Play with uh, Chris Sarandon, who appears in the second episode of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, he was also uh, Jack Skellington. Yeah, and you know what else Brad Dorf Prin was in? Princess was, Bride. Of course, oh, what? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. And also in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was Vin Vincent Schiavelli, who Correct. appears in The Arsenal of Freedom, uh, which is a season one episode of The Next Generation. This is where I had to stop, <laughs> because I knew if I kept going, I would name every actor in Hollywood. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I really needed to pull back from this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah actors are in different <laughs> things. <laughs> they are It turns out actors appear in different things And sometimes they all appear in the same thing together Yeah, and sometimes it's fun to make those connections And you don't have to crap on somebody just for doing that No, it's not It's a terrible waste of time <laughs> They made a whole game about it the, the Kevin Bacon game, that's the whole premise Christopher Lloyd was also in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest yep. And he played a Klingon in Star Trek III The Search for Spock which is the lead into Star Trek IV, the movie we're supposed to be talking about. It all comes back around, full circle. Mm. <sighs> anyway, I like the scene with the bus. Yes, I do too. It's all I was. It's the only direction I was going in with with this. But uh, I I really like Catherine Hicks. I think she's a a wonderful actress, and I liked her a lot in this movie as well. Yep. Um, Everybody in this is pretty good. They are. Even though, like, generally except it's just for, the cast of the old movie. Except for the guys that are, like, at Mission Control or whatever that are, like, at the submarine or ship or whatever it is. They were really bad. Like, the actors were just really bad. It kind of... That one guy out. called Chekhov the R-word. 
yeah not not those guys the ones that are like looking when um Chekhov and Uhura are down there getting the crystals oh, or sure. whatever just... I wonder if this were actual guys that worked on the uh USS <laughs> maybe. Enterprise maybe maybe the condition hey, want to be was... in the movie yeah hey we want to film some scenes on the Enterprise you guys want to be in the picture could be I wonder uh we'll never it, know speaking of DS9 though going back to that for a oh, second yep. uh, Cisco's dad appears yes. as like an admiral for Starfleet in this uh, and you had texted that to me I had no idea what you were talking about because I hadn't started the movie yet and then I actually sat down and saw you him and was very confused no oh. you started it like just before I did oh okay uh, but yeah he appears uh, through the rest of these movies I think he's I know he's in six. I'm pretty sure he's in five. He might actually not be. Uh, but it is weird. He does eventually come back to play Cisco's father. He's a bad guy in six. Uh, so I heard, uh, because yeah. I have not seen that, but I had uh, tweeted about him being in that, and someone who is way more into Star Trek than I am replied saying, like, yeah, he, he was part of a grand conspiracy. So, <laughs> Speaking of way more into Star Trek... Uh, I've I've been doing my little reviews for TNG. Uh, I got to the Neutral Zone episode and said that it was the first one where the actor for Dol- uh, Gold Ducat, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment. Mark Alimo. Yeah, I, Alimo? I said that was the first episode that he appeared in. And I had somebody reply to me who does not follow me on Twitter, who <laughs> apparently just has some sort of notification set up for Mark Alimo and corrected me saying that he... He played another character earlier on in the season, uh, but was so embarrassed by it that he told them not to credit him in the episode. <laughs> he's just, he's buried under makeup. He's unrecognizable. Look for the guy with the long neck. Can't be that hard to spot. <laughs> and I checked this person's profile out and it says something like uh, the foremost expert on the Obsidian Order. And so I think this freak... <laughs> Is is just waiting in the wings to correct anyone about any matters related to Cardassians. I hate when people do that. Like, there's some. <laughs> did I ever uh, tell you about the guy who like searches for Tremors mentions on Twitter? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. then I tried to bait him shortly afterwards. I oh, sent right. out a tweet yeah. about Tremors to just. I was curious if he would show up. Yeah. Uh, that stuff is insane to me. Uh, people just setting up notifications for specific names and. And, and movies and stuff like that just to correct people or mm-hmm. to get into like shitty internet arguments i mean that guy's even worse because it's wrong. all just like him trying to pitch his screenplay for a new tremors or something oh, okay see i didn't know that yeah it, it's That's that and linking to this reddit post he made which is about oh, like i don't know anything about tremors except for the first That's movie so, so sad. Yeah, I didn't mind so much the person replying to me because I did think it was a fun bit of trivia that he appeared in yeah, another episode. Yeah, and sure. was, it was just like, don't credit me. Uh, but still, it was funny because they responded to that like less than a minute after me <laughs> posting that tweet. Just immediate. <laughs> you know, on top of the game. Just like kicking the door of my closet <laughs> open and running out with like a fistful of paper going, no, wait. You have to know he about Michael Lima. He was in another <laughs> episode. He's unrecognizable in makeup. He requested he wasn't credited. Bye. So they got me by the collar. They're shaking me and screaming in my face. Yeah. That was the entity that I saw. It was them. <laughs> They're just waiting for me to be wrong about Cardassia again. This again. 
so they they find these two whales. It's a uh, George and Mary Gracie. The other whale, Gracie. It's George Burns, Gracie. Like that's the joke. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Pretty good. That's not bad. Granted, uh, granted, it would play better in the 80s when there were still people alive yeah. who mostly knew who George and Gracie were. Uh, they find these whales. Uh, they go on a big tour. The The whole, like, the brunt of the tour is, man, whale hunting is real fucked up. Here's some actual footage of yeah. whales getting murdered. That not great to look at no uh i i saw that documentary about like the dolphin hunting and it's, oh, it's yeah. mostly just stuff like that it's it's a very uncomfortable watch i get it's an actual problem it's horrible that people do that uh yakuza like a dragon that chapter that i left off on they're talking about like exporting shark fins like that's another thing that's similar to that where it's just really fucked up what yep. people are doing out there in the ocean so I get it. Uh, it also seemed to be like a bigger problem back in the 80s. Of course, there was the whole save the whales thing. Like you don't really hear about stuff like that anymore. So it no, also is just another kind of like. Uh, the humpback whales, I think, are like fine now. They've pretty much come back mm. to not not they have the, the, like, the uh, population they were before, but I think they're not really sure. under threat anymore. Well, I think like the last that I heard about that stuff was that like whale hunter show. And that wasn't like that long ago. I think that's been like a decade now. Wheel Hunter show. It, it was a thing where like um, these guys would go hunt people who hunt whales. And when I say hunt, they mostly would just pull their boat up next to them and <laughs> harass them and try to get them to like move. Okay. They would try to get them to like back off from murdering whales. And it was like the show, I think it was on Discovery or something like that existed for a while that's the last time i think i ever really heard about it in kind of like save the whale related shit yeah um and now i'm also thinking about that episode of seinfeld <laughs> i mean it's mostly um... it was like elaine's boss that went to go do something like that and then he got like thrown overboard or something and he had the script for the sh the seinfeld pilot with him i don't remember that one uh whatever it was peterman no, it wasn't Peterman. It was somebody else. It it was, or no, that it wasn't sounds like something it was, Peterman um, would do. It's it's coming back to me. It was when they were pitching the the Seinfeld show, the show within the show. Yeah, and they gave it to that one guy who Elaine was dating, and then Elaine gets it in his head to be like some sort of animal rights activist guy, go save the whales kind of thing. So he ends up on one of those boats. There's a storm or something. He gets thrown overboard, and along with him goes the script to the pilot, and that's what ends up resulting in the Seinfeld show going nowhere initially. This sounds and then they vaguely come back to that familiar. Stuff later on. That's that's after like the stuff with Bob Balaban? I th think so. Or is it before that? I'm not sure. It's been a while. Okay. Should rewatch Seinfeld when I'm done with all the Star Trek shit. <laughs> You're never going to be done. No. I, I started thinking about when I'd finished The Undiscovered Country, I was just like, you know, I want to give Voyager another shot. I like Tuvok. Tuvok's great. And then I started thinking like, okay, well, what if I just did everything in order? What if I watch TNG, and then I do a rewatch of Deep Space Nine, and then I do Voyager, and if I'm still feeling it, I could do Enterprise. 
I had a lot to drink last night. I guess so. <laughs> this is what started uh, this whole thing. I like how even in this bizarre fantasy scenario, you don't even consider the original series. No, I'm not bothering with that. I watched the movies. That's enough. That's all I need to. I don't need to watch anything else. It gives me everything I need to know right there. Uh, anyway, this is also anyway. skipping the best part uh, of the movie, which is where Scotty and McCoy have to go get a transparent, oh, yes. or uh, they have to go get plexiglass to make the Shark Tank. <laughs> shark Tank. <laughs> You see, did you see uh, J.B. Smoove is on Shark Week on uh, Discovery? <laughs> they, feed him, they feed him to one of the sharks. It's great. No, apparently he thought it was Shark Tank when he was signing up for it. <laughs> Dr. Anyway. McCoy is going to defend all these sharks on this burger frame. He's going to hack them right off. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, they get to... They're making a whale tank, so they need plexiglass, and they go to the plexiglass place. They need transparent transparent aluminum, but but they can't get that. The closest, yeah, the closest analog for that would be plexiglass. Yeah, unless, unless, uh, Scotty just decides to break the timeline (laughs) and give the formula for transparent aluminum to this guy, Uh Uh, or as as they reason it. Well, how do we know he didn't invent it? Yeah, it's a very good bit. I like all of McCoy's <laughs> bits in this too, where he's just kind of like, "Yeah." Oh. <laughs> uh, it was well, also really they do good. just use really plexiglass, though. That. Is the thing like that's just the bargaining thing? Is like, well, yeah. will you give us yeah. these sheets if we show you how to make this? Yeah. Oh, you'll be rich. Think of all the money you'll make off this formula versus how much money you make if we just bought this plexiglass from you. Also one of the best uh, bits when uh Scotty is trying to operate the computer yes. by talking to it. <laughs> it's like you use the mouse and he just says computer into the mouse. Good stuff. No, it's uh no, it's even better than Hello, that because he, he starts Yeah, he starts by just going like computer and then when he gets the mouse he's more polite yeah. about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then use the keyboard. Oh, how quaint. And then you get the really good shot of him <laughs> typing just like nonsense, like just... very slowly that sped up. Yeah, no, that's my favorite part is him just going like, oh, how quaint. And then he just like does chicken typing yeah. like an old man, like old man James Duhon does in real life. Just uh-huh. one finger at a time. God. Also, and then, yeah, like how... just a couple of button taps and all this stuff is just going by on the screen really yeah. fast. Like it's something that data is trying to process. Yeah, he's making vector graphics on screen by just sort yeah. of typing a few keys. It, it's also funny because before watching any of this stuff, obviously I knew about dilithium crystals and that whole sure. thing. And it's great to see that that wasn't an exaggeration. That's always a problem. Scotty's always yeah. having problems with crystals. Uh, Dilithium keeps coming up in some early episodes of TNG. I know that you and I never really heard about them much in DS9 because it's just not a factor because yeah. not a lot of that show is based on actually like voyaging anywhere. But yeah, the two things I've seen in Star Trek where they're actually going someplace, Dilithium crystals keep getting brought up. Mm-hmm. Dilithium is always a problem. Yeah. Just like in real I used life. I know what those, yeah. They talk about them in that technical that technical manual that I have, but I only like they only touched on it briefly, so I'm not entirely sure exactly what they do. I just know that they're part of the like 
warp core reaction. I thought they were radioactive. Like, uh, that's the whole thing is they talk about how um, once we sort of moved past cold fusion, that was when they started using yeah. uh, crystals because that was the issue they had when they came back is they hadn't figured that out yet. So that's why they had to get something from the core and then they somehow like solidified that into crystals i mean the sick thing is i think i understand like 80 percent of how a warp core works now oh no (laughs) there's just the dilithium crystal part is where i start to get a little tripped up okay i know about its whole path from the warp core to the nacelles and and what the actual like what the blue stuff is you see in there is like coolant they're mixing matter and antimatter together, and that's what like changes space around the ship. It's that technical manual is the worst thing I've ever done to myself. <laughs> We're getting to the point where like your brain is storing uh, like Jeffrey's tube locations, like it's a Dark Souls map. <laughs> they bring up Jeffrey's tubes by name in like Star Trek Five, and I was just like, "Aha! I know what that is now." Know exactly what they mean and where it is in the ship. They call them by name in DS9. They did, but at the time I didn't know what a Jeffrey's tube was. They just brought up this term, and it was just like anything else in Star Trek at that point where they throw terminology around. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but whatever. I knew about those before I, I started watching it. Um, I had, that was one of the few no things clue. I did know about. Just like yeah. um, was GNDN. Mm. Do you know that? No, I don't know that one. If you look at the tubes, like uh, on the sets, oh, goes goes nowhere, does nothing. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I'm sorry, it, that's just written on the tubes and stuff. Yeah, this is a little joke. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the thing. Is like DS Nine. I didn't understand any of the technical side of the stuff. Like again, they would throw terms around, but it just didn't really mean anything to me. And the show's still perfectly watchable without understanding any of the context behind any of that. Now that I have this technical manual and I'm actually like informing myself about how all this shit works in Star Trek, it actually does make watching it a little bit more interesting because when they say that there's like some sort of problem with the warp core and they describe it, like now I know exactly what that means, what that means for the ship and what the stakes are. Usually it's that'll blow up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's not really that complicated. It's 90% of the time is that the warp core is going to blow up. And that's very bad. Yeah, if O'Brien uh, is concerned about something or LaForge, like... You just know something bad's gonna happen. Yeah. So there's actually an episode of uh, TNG that I haven't seen yet. I only I only saw this bit from a Red Letter Media thing, where uh, Troy is put in charge of the ship uh, because Chain of Command just happens to be that she's the next in line to be the captain. That's why uh, she has to get the crew. It? Oh, maybe it is. I think that's one of the movies. I thought it was, I thought it was the show. I don't know. It's been a like, while since I, remember I saw the. There, there's an interview clip with her saying, like, and then this one, I get to command the ship. That might be it. It's been a while since I saw this clip from Red Letter Media, so I'm not entirely sure exactly what it's from. I just know that Troy's in charge of the ship, and there's a bit where she's talking to, I think, O'Brien, and they're like, okay, well, we got if we have a warp core breach, you know, we need to figure that out. And she's like, uh huh, uh huh, okay, and what would that do? They're like, uh, it would blow the ship up. <laughs> like, you should know this, Troy. At least just like, like what touch, would happen... touch my head and learn about how a warp core works or something. No, that's not how she doesn't. They don't do that. Betas always don't do that. They sense emotions. They they can't sense like tangible uh, that's thoughts. Stupid. 
Or no, they can. They can't because like Riker and her communicate telepathically. See, I thought they did. I don't think she can. She can't like mind melt. She can't just like no. suck. Yeah, she can't just like suck information out that she wants. That's to be communicated to her consciously, I think. Or they're thinking about it, and she just happens to like be perving in on their brain she's at just that like, time. She's like a ham radio or something. Like she, she can just pick up the transmissions that are going out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fucked up that this all started like a million years ago on this JoJo podcast, where we were like, as a goof, let's review two episodes of DS Nine. We'll have no idea what we're talking about. It'll be <laughs> no. infuriating for anyone who does. I was already watching it. The point you was were, to get you was, to watch it. Sure, but the the premise was still like we don't really know jack oh, yeah. shit about Star Trek, and that's what's funny about trying to talk about Star Trek is not understanding anything about it. Now it's I am starting to understand Star Trek. There's still a lot I don't know, so I've got a bunch of uh, holes in in my logic about this. But like I understand enough that I'm starting to like connect the dots on things. I mean, and it's only going I... to get worse by the end of this. I'm going to be an expert. I like how um, I got the technical manual for DS9 and just looking at some of that stuff like the phaser designs, how they have to come up with justification for the designs and stuff where it's like, well, oh, the, yeah. the, this uh, is an ergonomic shape for the handle. So it, it's like, really, there's no reason actually to have phaser rifles because it's the same no. thing as a pistol except here their justification is well it's larger so it has a larger battery so they can shoot it longer that's basically the yeah. only reason yeah because that always that even when watching ds9 was something that stood out to me was like well i know that phasers are just these little like it's a garage door opener at this point like it can be so yeah. compact in size what is the point of having a full-on rifle for it other than like you know, for storytelling purposes, it communicates to an audience better that it's a weapon. Yeah. So, like, I get that. But then in in universe, they have to justify it in, in some way. Yeah, because it's not going to be more stuff. powerful because even the regular handheld phasers can just dissolve somebody. Boy, can they. <laughs> I haven't posted about it yet, but there is a uh, an episode that I just got done watching where there is this guy who, he's deaf. He has what he calls his cores, which is three individuals who have kind of a telepathic network with him one represents like his passion and artistry one is more like logic and uh you know being a warrior and stuff like that and then the other one's like a balance between the two it's the law hero chaos hero and neutral basically of course and negotiations go horribly wrong and these monkey men they shoot a laser at his chorus and it turns them all into red Castlevania skeletons for like three frames. <laughs> it's like Mars Attacks. <laughs> yes, it's exactly like Mars Attacks. Great. It's it's really fucking weird because I knew that one episode where like Gene Roddenberry had like an axe to grind, and so he had that one guy like blow up in this really horrific way. Mm-hmm. And he had like the worm come out of his stomach and everything after he got like dissolved down to the rib cage. And so I thought, like, that was it. Gene had his one moment of just grotesque gore in the middle of Star Trek, and then this shit comes out of fucking nowhere. Dude just pulls a gun, and now there's skeletons on screen. I laughed so hard my arm hurt. (laughs) How's that work? 
I don't know. I think something happened with my heart. Like I was just <laughs> laughing too hard and my blood pressure went through the roof. Oh no. <laughs> uh anyway, Star Trek 4. Um yeah. Good movie. Let me talk about Discovery for a second. No, do not. No, I just, like, very briefly, because it is about, like, needing to justify the way that things change in Star Trek. Discovery just inherently bothers me because it is depicting a much more futuristic uh, Star Trek than what exists in, like, DS9 and beyond that, yet it takes place before the original Trek series. And they still insist that it takes place within the same continuity and is not part of, like, the uh, J.J. Abrams timeline. Mm-hmm. And I hate shit like that. I, I yeah, it's Star Wars it, prequel syndrome. Yeah, that kind of stuff always bugs the crap out of me. And so I think that discovery is probably just completely unwatchable for me. There's no way I'd be able to get past that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that bleeds into the technical manual uh, because there's a part where they say like, oh yeah, by this point in time, like everyone used holograms to communicate with each other. View screens were antiquated by this point, and everyone just kind of liked the sort of like nostalgic aspect of it on the enterprise and it's like fucking no they didn't (laughs) like there was a new thing on the defiant yeah there's a whole episode of ds9 where they're just like have you heard about this hologram shit like this is brand new technology it's crazy breaking it in with a hologram of eddington of all people yeah but like no one running star trek now has any idea what makes star trek work they don't care about the history of star trek or the continuity of it and so it's now fallen on the technical manual to make up an excuse for why holograms exist and also why nobody uses them. Uh, I hate everything. <laughs> Star Trek is so bad now. I mean, really, it kind of didn't make a whole lot of sense to begin with because they had the holodeck. So they could have just sure. had holograms if they wanted, and they did just use view screens anyway. Well, you also have a... Uh... The Doctor, who is a yeah. hard light hologram, he can physically interact with things. So. Well, that's after the DS9 bit, though. But I'm saying even on TNG, they had the holodeck. Sure. Well, I mean, technically, the Doctor probably existed concurrent or even before using holograms for communications, because remember, the whole thing was, well, we already have one that exists for like short term stuff, and now oh, we're inventing yeah. one that's like long term. Yeah, because that was why they wanted Bashir's. Yeah, mind juice or whatever they were doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. I do you I, need a holographic doctor? I think I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Star Trek Four. Uh, they they rescue these whales. There's a real good bit of Spock swimming with them, and everyone kind of turning around, going like, "Why is that guy in the whale tank?" <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you have like a solid twenty seconds of him like swimming with the whale, and the, by the way, very well green screened, uh, and uh, cutting back to Shatner going like, ooh, 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 and tugging his collar, basically hoping nobody sees him. <laughs> But the whales are pregnant, so that's, I guess, the as much justification as you're going to get well, behind, well, is. they'll repopulate in the future. Well, look, when you're married, it's a shared experience, Larry. No, it's not. Shut up. It's, uh, you know, they look at a couple and they say, oh, you're pregnant to yeah. both of them, including the guy. 
That's stupid. Only one of them's pregnant. Yeah. Well. How was Babby well. Whale formed? <laughs> how ba- how does whale get pregnant? They need to get the whales out of there. Uh, fortunately for them, they have gone back in time to near the precise moment that the whales are going to get relocated anyway. So it'll be less fishy when they beam them out of there and the mm. whales disappear forever. Uh, but they still need uh, Dr. Taylor's help doing this. And so this means that they kind of have to reveal that they're from the future. And she's kind of accepting this like a lot more quickly than somebody should. Like there's still stuff about her going like, ah, this is bullshit. I mean, but... she's she's the April O'Neil of this. Like, sure. She had just seeing giant turtles and being in shock for a little bit and then just, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm just going to roll with this. Like, oh, this is my life now. Yeah. Uh, to, to the point that she just decides I'm going to go to the future. Yes. Well, like, I, I think I, that's, that's kind of the thing is she kind of wants to believe it anyway because she's clearly sick of everything in that yes. time on Earth. And it's just like, oh good opportunity to break free of this and you know what i would do the same thing the 1980s actually seem like they would completely suck to live through oh yeah so sure i would i probably would also be looking for any excuse to go to the future even if it's like oh i met a bunch of like friends from the future and their ship looks like the one in alien Mm -hmm. (laughs) like also, at least in this case, she's going back to, you know, a communist utopia future. It's not like sure. some sort of nightmare dystopia. Uh, she's not like going to the future of finding everything covered in chrome like Squidward. Something like sure. that. I still like, though, that her like point of reference for future tech is the bird of prey, though, which is yeah. designed to look like as wet and falling apart and grimy and... Like, you need a tetanus shot before you get on that thing, because if you scrape your arm on all the jagged metal sticking out of that shit, you're going to get a disease. Also, I would say... And she's like, this is good enough. I want to go to the future where this comes from. I I kind of have a bit of an issue with them deciding to beam her up uh, without really telling her anything or letting her know it's going to happen, considering that kills you. Yeah. That is a new <laughs> Gillian Taylor. Yeah, exactly. Every time. It's a new uh-huh. Gillian, a new Kirk. Yep. What are the ramifications de- of this? You get deatomized, and then uh, I think that there's a TNG episode that deals with that, Larry. I think there's one where Probably like uh, is. some I would transporter think they would have accident. to at some point. I think again, I haven't seen this episode, but I think that there's one where like Riker, there's a transporter accident. It ends up creating a second Riker yeah, he's who gets found like way later. Yeah, and that's the one that's in DS9 because he's evil Riker. Yeah, but he I has think the, the fake idea sideburns, remember? That's, that's right. the reveal he peels off the fake sideburns. <laughs> it's one of the best reveals in television history. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think that is the result of a accident causing him to atomize in two different locations or something like that. I might be completely wrong about that. Isn't again, that, I haven't seen the episode. Isn't that also like the um the Voyager issue where two of them like get fused together, and so they have to oh, decide yeah, there's, like, do we separate yeah. them or not? Because Tuvok and Neelix they combine into one being, and so technically that is its own new sentient being. And yeah. the moral dilemma is then: Do I kill this new being to basically resurrect the two halves that formed the whole? Like, is it ethically correct to murder someone to bring back two people who were murdered? 
In that case, I would say no, because both of them would exist within the new one. Whereas the new I one would say... not exist without, like, if you separate into the two. I disagree. I say do it, but only because I hate looking at what they've become. <laughs> okay. It's fucking horrifying. I, Neelix is bad enough. I'd rather deal with Neelix. Okay. He's the cook, right? Plus, the Jar Jar yeah, cook. He's, yeah, he's the cook. There's. <laughs> This episode is so not even about Star Trek 4 at this point, but... <laughs> it doesn't matter, people have been clip... warned. Yeah, there's a clip that showed up in my YouTube recommendations that was just like, Tuvok kills Neelix, and I was like, I gotta watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Neelix is like, hey Tuvok, you should smile. Come on, smile, and he starts like poking Tuvok in the face, so Tuvok just chokes the life out of Neelix, just wraps <laughs> his hands around his neck and doesn't stop. Until the light leaves Neelix's eyes. Oh, it was so gratifying, Larry. <laughs> What's that from? I felt is like that, my what? spirit left my body. Is that episode where Tuvok goes evil? It, it might be. Uh, I, I think it is because, like, again, I watched like a lot of Voyager as I was trying to fall asleep. So there was episodes where I remember parts of it, and I don't remember anything else that happened. Um, mm. Which is part of why I want to actually sit down and give that series more of a fair <sighs> shot. But jeez. Uh, anyway, the whales—they get the whales. They put the—they—they're going to put them in the bird of prey. Yeah. Uh, you got stuff with uh, Sulu. He's transporting the plexiglass. Anyway, that's all he has to do in this movie. Yep. That's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chekhov uh gets almost caught uh, because for some reason I guess. Uh, Scotty wants to hear him say Beam me up before he just beams him up I don't oh, really know yeah. why he waits around To Come do on, that Scotty. Uh, And uh, he gets caught And then uh, falls off the side Of the ship Conks his head yeah. Goes into a coma Oh, but there's real good that then leads to the hospital scene yes. and one of my favorite bits where McCoy just passes this old lady yes. in the like hallway of the hospital and he's like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, ah, my kidneys are failing. He's like, take these pills. And it grows her a new kidney. <laughs> yeah. You just get her wheeling down the hallway going, hey, grew me a new kidney. A doctor gave me some pills. <laughs> and they're just like, it's fully functional. It's a miracle. Uh, it's great because I think that's just a really good quick character moment for McCoy that just shows that, like, you know, he he cares enough about people, even though he's all grumpy all the time. Yeah, that yeah. he'll just in the past he'll cure some random lady's like kidney disease. Well, this whole thing though is him just like being in shock of how bad medicine is in our time. Oh yeah, that's just true. like what, drilling holes into his skull. Why is this a Middle Ages? Good God, yeah. man. He's just gonna put a computer up to it and fix the nerves that way, or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, he repairs the the veins or the arteries or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I do like Kirk just pulling a gun on all of them, just being like, "All right, get in here," <laughs> yeah. and then blasting the lock. If anyone screams, they're dead. <laughs> also, the bit with them just like putting a the lady on the stretcher ginger in there and then just coming out with Chekhov on the stretcher <laughs> it takes the guards a while to figure out what's going on but then also her and scrubs yes yeah oh and, like and, a medical gown but, and uh, when um, McCoy uses like doctor speak for what's wrong with her and it was just cramps yeah man it's a, it's a good scene all around it is uh, 
and then uh so i guess like i think my one problem with the movie not necessarily a problem so what's not a problem is that there's no villain in this movie necessarily like i like the, that the threat yeah i do too the the threat mostly just comes from this probe that isn't really intending to cause harm it's just it's kind of doing what its function is it's similar to uh Viger in that sense it's not a proper villain its purpose is easily understood it's just misguided it, it doesn't understand what's what this? it's doing uh Viger. what's Viger? well if you rub the plaque enough you see it's voyager oh it's the it's the air quotes bad guy from the first movie. It's the, oh, right. the Voyager probe that ends up getting like hyper intelligence because it comes across like a machine world. Yeah, uh, that okay. enhances it. Um, and the problem is it's trying to just Ooh. get information back from Earth, but uh, now it's like some weird cloud thing that's like digitizing everything. Don't they go it's, back it's to that like at the end of Voyager? Don't they do don't time know. travel stuff or something in there that like? Captain Janeway becomes involved with that or something? Well, that's not the same. The, the Voyager probe is like I a know. 1960s. Yeah. I know, but I'm no, saying I, I, I think they like retcon it or something near the end of Voyager. I'm not sure. I know that there is time travel at the end of Voyager because the whole thing is that, like, I guess it was, I think, like, Tuvok doesn't get home in time and dies of a disease that could have been prevented, and so she's trying to get them back faster or something like that. I don't. She know. has a means of getting them there quicker if she just messes around with the computer. And then, like present day Janeway is just like, no, you can't do that. We can't mess with time in that way, which is like a little hypocritical from her because, from my understanding, she doesn't give a fuck about the Prime Directive. <laughs> no, she's constantly not. screwing stuff up. <laughs> so. Yeah. She was Mrs. Columbo. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen the last episode of Voyager. I just know what I know through osmosis that there's time travel involved. Um, okay. But yeah, like, similar to Star Trek 1, there's not a proper actual villain. You know, there's no Christopher Lloyd Klingon that's behind everything that they got to get into a fistfight at the end of the movie with. The way that that then becomes a problem is... As soon as they release the whales, there is just a boat waiting in the wings to hunt them. <laughs> like yeah. it's so it's weirdly convenient that there are just people with harpoons ready to go. Like they knew these whales were going to get released, and they're just like, Oh, I can't wait to well, kill them. Uh, no, because they had been really remember they released them overnight. And so yeah, she goes like, there it's and, still... and she says like they're probably like halfway to Alaska by now. But it's still just like how convenient that these two specific whales yeah. within a day run into whale hunters. Well, sure. And so you ha you have to have a scene where they then rescue the whales at the last second. And I get it's because this is like the climax of the movie and you need to have that moment of tension where you're not sure whether they're going to make it out of this or not. So I get it for like from a narrative perspective, but it is like maybe the one thing in the movie that is the most ridiculous. Yeah. Although it is funny how all they have to do is, like, you know, they get down in from the harpoon so it bounces off the ship while it's cloaked, and that's really all they had to do. And yeah. then, and, but, you know, just to mess with them, they turn the cloaking off so <laughs> then the guys see the ship and are like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that bit's good. Yeah. I mean, at that point, they've completely fucked the timeline up so much. Why not? Yeah, yeah exactly. Who cares? I mean, I think that they're actually in the clear 
as far as the time the worst thing that they did is probably giving the guy the transparent aluminum yeah. formula like that could really screw with things but like they take gillian taylor into the future so the worst thing there is just there's going to be some missing persons posters yeah and it's 1980s california so they're going to look for her for like two days and give up <laughs> yeah like it would have been worse probably if she had stayed behind because then there was a chance she would blab to people about it or something where at yeah. least like disappearing into the future it's fine she'll learn about science in the future she's got a cool new uniform uh, she tells Kirk she is not interested in him, <laughs> and we'll uh, see him later it's at like some 30 point. Thirty years older than her. Yeah. So of course. Yeah, I um, like that though. Like him yeah. just kind of being like, eh, all right. The the other like loose end that they leave is the glasses, which would then create a time paradox. Yeah. That. I guess like the out for that is maybe now there are just two versions of that pair of glasses that exist at the same point in time, not necessarily that McCoy got them from the precise same place. Yeah, I think so. So that, I think that's fine. And then like the whale guys, like no one's going to believe them. So that's fine too. Yeah. Oh, you saw a UFO in the middle of the ocean? Whatever. Like maybe they'll show up in an episode of Art Bell. Like coast to coast, like, yes. but that's all that's going to come of it. They're they're fine. But with the glasses, also, I don't know that that really creates a paradox. Well, I guess it does. It would just basically be closing the loop on it. Like, it would have already happened. So he's just doing there, the same thing. I think that there might be something paradoxical he says, about the same object existing in the same point in time. Like, yeah, like Ron Silver and Time Cop. But I'm saying yeah, there's a bit exactly, where they say exactly something like, but, but that was a gift for you from McCoy And uh, Kirk's like Yeah and the beauty part is it will be again So Yeah I don't know I just but they don't I also don't really remember the whole bit the With the glasses anyway so I can't yeah. tell you Exactly like how that fits in They don't give a shit About the past No, It's fine everything worked out fine there's plenty of Star Trek left to come and everybody is fine despite the stuff that the crew of the Enterprise does in this movie. So it all worked out in the end. I also well um, yeah, especially I really like how they reset the status quo in this one specifically by yeah. being like, Well, you violated uh, the uh why is it they actually charge they dismiss most of the charges. It's basically just insubordination, I think. They they get yeah. And so he's like, well, your, pu- your punishment is you get demoted to captain. <laughs> Which is exactly what he wanted. Yeah. What do they even he say? Never wanted he's the just Admiral. like, well, this is what you want to do anyway. Yeah. Uh, and they dropped the charges on the rest of the crew. Yeah. Uh, even though they did some fucked up shit to help him out in the third movie, like Scotty basically sabotages the new ship that tries to chase after them. So it breaks down and can't enter warp. Oh. Scotty should good. be charged with sabotage. <laughs> like he did a bad thing, but they're just like that's fine. They do they do charge him with sabotage, I think. Yeah, but they drop it's everything. Just, well, yeah, so it doesn't drop it. it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. But like everyone has charges that they could get brought up on, except for Spock. He's the only one that was in the clear because he was dead. So Spock is fine. And they say that too. He's just like, I'm just here because I'm a he's member of this fine. crew. Yeah. Oh, he's not feeling anything. Feeling fine. No, he can't feel things. He's a Vulcan. He's not supposed to feel. No, he can. Is it the logical choice? uh... No, but it's the human choice. Uh, 
Okay. I really like the bit where he's doing the questions. Like, whatever yes. that whole bit is. <laughs> like, testing them or something. That's a thing that keeps coming up uh, with Vulcans, and I really like it because it's just such a ridiculous premise of I'm standing here and I'm just getting asked a bunch of like questions, and it's about how rapidly I can answer them. Yeah, it's almost and, like, like that shows up like the resetting bit in Blade Runner 2049. Yes, and it shows up in other Trek things related to Vulcans. Like I know that shows up in the J.J. Abrams movie where they all have like their little pods that they're in, and like Kid Spock is doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a little nice touch related to the Vulcans. I like it a whole lot. I like when it shows up. Um, yeah, Trek Four is really good. I think that it's probably my favorite of the original movies. It's hey now. Uh, again, the, again the <laughs> way that they. I I know that I had responded to you a few days, days ago and said that it was Wrath of Khan, but I was yeah. joking. I think that Four actually is my favorite one. Okay, good. Uh, Wrath of Wrath of Khan is my second favorite. Sure. But I mean, four is really hard good. choice, right? Out of all yeah. these winners, as the thing is, I I think the only one that I actually dislike is five. Three isn't great; it's just fine. Like it's definitely my like second least favorite out of all of them. But I don't outright hate it. I ha- I outright hate five. I think that's a terrible movie. Um, but I I also like that again the way that all these things connect, where they tell a complete narrative at least from two through six. That four just kind of feels like the Ferengi episode in the middle of everything. Like it's very much just a comedy. Yeah. Like, like the other movies take themselves that, more like, seriously. Half hour or so of setup, it's just a good old yeah. goof time. Yeah, and it's very appropriately Star Trek in that sense, where you'll get a lot of episodes that are very serious about what's going on, and then you'll just get one that's a goof 'em up. Hmm? You'll get your your triple episode in the middle of a bunch of other shit. You'll get everybody running around and. Robin Hood outfits Why not Yeah, It's great it's nice I, I like that in the middle of these things They, they kind of just break it up And they, they have a good goofy movie uh, A goofy movie <laughs> Dead soup Directed by Leonard Nimoy <laughs> Imagine Spock <laughs> doing the fly fishing bit Oh that'd be great yeah. He does go camping with uh, McCoy and Kirk in the fifth movie Do they meet Bigfoot no, they don't meet Bigfoot. Oh. Uh, but they they do... Uh, Spock doesn't know how to camp, and so he like read a bunch of material, and he has like a portable replicator that he replicates a single marshmallow with. <laughs> <laughs> so, he can, so he can cook it on the fire. Mm-hmm. It's dumb. Uh, oh, also, uh, Catherine Hicks was in uh, Life, Father, Like Son with uh, Armin Shimmerman. Which I meant to bring up earlier too. So what's that? that? I don't know. Some movie. It's just when I read her memory alpha page, I noticed Armin Shimmerman's name on there. Yeah. I was like, I know who that guy is. Who's that? He's real good in this thing called Star Trek. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, besides this, I also watched Lower Decks. Oh boy. What a recommend it. How many did you watch? A whole season. Why? I don't know. Why, why would you? Well, it was either that or go back to TNG. <laughs> At this point, you're like, anything but that. 
the first episode of the second season of TNG is, first of all, it is definitely a phase two script because I read the memory alpha page for that and they outright say that was intended to be a phase two episode. And like that whole thing opens on Troy gets impregnated by a like energy entity that infiltrates oh, the ship. Boy. And there's a scene where the entire like command crew is in the meeting room and it, it's just the shot focuses on Troy and she's trying to contemplate everything and you hear everyone in the background talking about whether or not they should give Troy an abortion without her input <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> fucked up shit. And so like I got done with that episode and that was the line in the sand for me where I was like, I think I need to just go watch the movies or just do something else and come back to TNG. Uh, and when I got done with the movies, I decided to try giving Lower Decks a shot, because I already got a Paramount Plus subscription. I might as well see what else is on there. <laughs> it's a diseased way of thinking. It really is. Uh, it's a diseased show. How, yeah. What would you think Lower Decks is like? Um... Describe what you think that is. Like, uh... Man... I don't know. Like, I feel like it would not be sort of like edgy, like a Family Guy or Rick and Morty. It would be something similar to that, but way watered down and just mostly boring. Well, uh, right on the money, Larry. <laughs> okay. It's basically Rick and Morty, uh, but not as biting. There's there's still stuff in it where it's like, okay, this is edgier than something that i would expect from star trek okay. like there there is still a sort of edge to it but it is more watered down than something like rick and morty uh it is very hyperactive humor mm, uh, which, which i, I know you love not, oh i'm a huge fan <laughs> of it i love spongebob squarepants it's one of the all-time greats like oh that's your example as though that's like Everyone is always screaming in that show. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a cartoon um, for children. <laughs> of course. Yeah, children suck. Yeah. They're terrible. Little goblins. I don't want anything to do with them or any of the media that they enjoy. You like Animaniacs, uh, right? I guess you got me there. Like, those I guess are, I just don't know what to say to that. Those are way more hyperactive than SpongeBob. Oh, no, they're not. Yeah, they are. No, they aren't. Anyway, like it, it's <laughs> the camera's cuts. It's like whipping around to do cutaway gags and everything else, and then someone will do a song for no reason. Like SpongeBob is glacial compared to those. Everyone in Lower Deck, Freakazoid is more subdued than literally every character in Lower Decks. Yeah. Like everyone in Lower Decks is constantly screaming all the time. They're saying all their lines very rapidly. the The humor is more like how wacky and zany the characters are than actually setting up and telling good jokes. Uh, Lower Decks doesn't even have arms akimbo. No, they it does not. Uh, th there was one bit of Lower Decks that kind of made me crack a smile, and it's less the joke and more the fact that I just enjoy any time Colin Meany is brought up. Uh, and it was <laughs> that, like, a character... A character... Um, his whole deal is that like he always follows the rules he's a good boy he wants to move up the ranks and so because of something he did they decide that there should be more downtime and lax rules on the ship and then they name this sort of like initiative after him and he's this distresses him because he doesn't want to go down in history as someone who is a bum 
uh, but then they fast forward to the future and it's a, a, a school class is being taught and they're like, yeah, this guy was notorious for being the most laziest asshole in all of Starfleet. Anyway, let's talk about the most important person in Starfleet, Chief Miles O'Brien. <laughs> and then the episode ends. And so it was the one bit that I liked because I just, I'm yeah. a huge advocate for Miles O'Brien. And I just Absolutely. like the idea that in the future of Trek, he is just viewed as like this sort of godlike entity within the Federation. And he finally gets the respect he deserves. He should be. He should. Yeah. It's the one good thing that Lower Decks did. Everything else, terrible. Can't stand it. Q is in an episode. They didn't need to do <laughs> My Boy Q like that. Well, uh, it's a good thing you watched the entire season to make sure. I watched the first two episodes of Discovery as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's very bad. That, well, okay. That one makes more sense to me because at least I would think your main motivation there would be the main lady being real pretty because uh, I, I, I would look at that and be like, eh, that, that would make this yeah. a lot more tolerable. Also, Abe Sapien himself oh, that's uh, true. is on the show. And, and so, you know, I needed to see some Doug Jones. Mm, Dougie Jones. Climbable man, that <laughs> Doug Jones. Yeah. Uh, he's all right in it. Uh, but yeah, lo like D Discovery just seems very confused again. It, it, its issue just seems like no one involved in that show cares about the lore of Star Trek or cares about what makes Star Trek work. And so it's just this this, this weird fucking thing that just exists out there where everyone's running around and screaming and everything's blowing up all the time. And then like Lower Decks by extension is just trying to ape Rick and Morty but set it in Star Trek. And that's just terrible on its face. So I wouldn't recommend anyone watch either of those two things. Uh, instead, they should watch Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Fantastic movie. Agree. Uh, and maybe like the five episodes of TNG that are watchable. You um, Are you going to watch that CGI show? CGI the, the, show? The kids' Star Trek show? No. Jason Manzoukas voices a character in it. I'm not doing this. The, it's, no. it's the Zooks. You gotta have the Zooks. I do. I gotta have Doug Jones, but like, I'm not putting up with Discovery to watch <laughs> Doug Jones. I'm not watching a kid show for the Zooks. I bet you're gonna end up watching it. I need to get through TNG. There's so much more of that show to go. Um, yeah, but then I gotta watch like, the well, TNG I, movies. I, I need to. I need to take a break, but. I don't want to watch more of Lower Decks. What else is there? Oh, there's What's this so show. I was going to say, as it so happens, Lower Decks Season 2 is coming out this year. So. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's you're all I got to say about Star Trek. You're waiting until the end of TNG to watch the movies? Didn't they come I out concurrently? That, I thought that they didn't come out until the end. Because the entire Enterprise like gets redesigned. Oh right, and they have DS9 style uniforms or, Well, yes. the, the, the DS9 uniforms like come from the movies, I think So it was like well, there, around there that was, time was when they There was famously the they designed new uh, uniforms for the movies And then they didn't like how they looked on camera So they used them for like I think one or two days of shooting And then they were like, no, we need to get rid of these They They don't film good Let's just take the uniforms from DS9 
like actually take the uniforms for different actors and put the TNG actors in them. And so you have stuff like uh, um, LaForge is wearing Chief O'Brien's uniform. And so it was like way too baggy on him because Colin Meany's got like a foot of height over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Picard or no, Riker is wearing Cisco's uniform in it. So they, they all just are like super ill fitting. That's cool. Uh, which uh, you yeah. think would look worse on film Gen- <laughs> but... Gen- Generations by the way came out In uh, What was the actual Date November 1994 And uh, TNG ended In May of 94 so Yeah I thought they uh, were coming out like Concurrently at least with the sort of End Mid to end of TNG but Apparently not well, I would have thought in continuity anyway they would still take place after. So my my goal was to wrap everything up with them. Uh, I'm not. I watching don't think Picard, so because though. at the end I, I don't it, hate myself. That at the much. end, Picard's like a vineyard, right? He's not out on a ship. Uh, doing no, stuff. no. The 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 end of TNG, he's still on the Enterprise because like the final shot is he finally joins Riker's card game. Yeah. Oh. So it's the, like a flash forward. The, so the final episode of TNG because I have seen it is that uh, like Picard is displaced in time, so he's alternating between the very first episode of TNG, present-day oh, TNG, yeah, you've told and me about Far this. Future. Okay. Yeah, and in Far Future, he's on the vineyard, the, the Picard family vineyard. And by the time of the Picard show, that is where he's at. But, right. but the end of TNG still has him on the Enterprise, and then through the movies, he's still, you know serving so yeah i remember this also i think because i probably said it's like uh the return of bruce wayne storyline where dark side blasted bruce through time it was quantum leaping around this time picard's gonna do the blasting i don't know what i mean by that that's all i have to say about it sounded to me like he got blasted that's all I got to say about Star Trek. Okay. Don't watch any of it. <laughs> Don't make the same mistakes no, that I've made in my Deep life. Watch Space Nine, but just stop there or maybe watch uh, Wrath <laughs> watch of Khan and Voyage Home, which is what I've done. I'm not watching watch the rest. Deep I don't Space give a crap. Nine. Watch Deep Space Nine, but specifically watch the exact curated episodes <laughs> that Larry and I watched. Yeah. We're not going to list them for you. You just need to figure it out yourself. Seven and above <laughs> on IMDb. Yeah, that's have you that's how, the line. How much do you have left in that now? Have you watched any more of it? Nope. Still. Jesus Christ. I have the same amount right. left. The last well, one I saw ended with Gul Dukat doing Bajoran face. He's gonna get canceled <laughs> for right. it. Okay, you don't have that much more to go then. No, but it's more than you would think. So, so like ten episodes left, I think. Look. If you stuck with us on this podcast, I don't know why, but I appreciate it. Uh, We talk about Star Trek things every now and then. Sometimes it just bottles up and becomes a bile inside of us, and we just need to release it all, and that's what this episode of the podcast was. It eventually got to a point where I had to put it in the description, uh, because I had stopped watching or paying attention to anything wrestling-related, and so this just sort of took its place. (laughs) That's right. Um... This will happen again because eventually you are going to finish Deep Space Nine. And when we get there, I do want to do like we each pick our top Deep Space Nine episodes and, yeah. and talk about them. This is an idea we had before Red Letter Media did it. 
by the yeah. way. Yeah. Like, I think two weeks before they put that episode up for TNG, we were talking about doing this with Deep Space Nine. I don't, I think I got like microchipped at some point because this sort of shit keeps happening with Red Letter Media where like I will do or say something and it will come up on one of their shows like two weeks later. Bram Stroker. The weirdest yeah. one, well, this isn't related to Red Letter Media, but of the general curse of us talking about something and then it happening. The weirdest one, I think, is last week where we talked about Legends of the Hidden Temple and what happened with that. And then, like, at the day after recording, there was stuff like, oh, by the way, it, it's happening. It, it's got a host. Yeah. I don't even remember who it is now. But, yeah. But, like, I, specifically with Red Letter Media, I was thinking about, like, how I did, we did this whole bet where I had to watch TNG if, uh, you know, Betty White continued oh, yeah. to live, which she did uh, in, in defiance of my will. And then, uh, there was a whole bit of like Mike trying to convince Jay to watch all of Star Trek, the next generation. Mm -hmm. So, and then a bit about then, Betty and, White. Yes. Th there was also the bit about Betty White, I think in that episode. And so I don't know where they've installed cameras and microphones <laughs> in my room, but I find it very upsetting and I do not like having my privacy invaded like this. Ratings. Anyway. Ratings for, all right. Well, first <laughs> ratings for Search for Spock. What do you get? Only you rating this one. Uh, three out of four stars. Okay. Because it's uh, the third one in the series. Yeah. Only doing four stars, not five. No. Okay. Uh, did Siskel and Ebert do five stars? No, they did four. They didn't do they any didn't stars. Do, they didn't do stars at all. <laughs> Idiot. Their whole thing was thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> No, did they use five stars? <laughs> no, they use four stars. I'm You're so confident. I'm gonna get a tweet from JR going like, "I was screaming thumbs up the entire <laughs> podcast." I put the clip from Red Layer Media of Roundhouse <laughs> in the last episode, so no excuses. I'm aware. <laughs> that was another. Well, okay, that's the reverse actually, where they talked about it first yeah. and then it came up. Yeah. So. All right, oh, this... ratings uh, for the voyage home. That was a four out of four stars. All right. Uh, plus an additional thumbs up for Catherine Mary Hicks. She deserves it. She was great in that movie. Okay. Weird. Yeah. I I give it I gave it four and a half out of five on Letterboxd. So that's the same rating mm -hmm. I'm giving it here. You know, it's it's not okay. a five bagger, but it's the best a Star Trek movie can yeah, probably it's basically... be. Basically a perfect movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's up there with, uh, you know, Gremlins 2 and no. uh, Empire Strikes Back as far as, like, perfectly paced. Uh, I mean, it's probably about as good as stories. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Anyway, that it. We're not uh, lower decks. I give that one <laughs> star out of four. Okay. You're not doing half stars? <laughs> no, it gets the one because they did bring up Chief Miles O'Brien. Well, so. okay. I can't, I can't in good conscience give a half star to anything with Colin Meany in it. What are you saying, by the way? What, what, what name is that you're saying? Colin Meany? It's Colm. Colin, Colm? Colm That's Meany. not a fucking name. <laughs> it's, he's Irish. It's an Irish name. I thought you it's were saying, Irish? I thought you were saying Colm, like, for some reason. And then that last no. one made me think, oh, are you I saying it was Colin? Colin? No. I thought Colm. it was Colm. Colm. Oh. Colm Meany. Well, 
I'm sorry, Colmini. You didn't deserve me misidentifying you this entire episode. Colmstone Creamery. <laughs> Just <laughs> head, head in there and get an O'Brien scoop. <laughs> also very hard to say Colmstone Creamery. <laughs> this is pretty good. Uh, I'm sorry, what else were we rating? Uh, the Child Nothing. from TNG no. Season 2. That's a 2 out of 10. I already did my tweet for that. <laughs> that episode's terrible. I don't like Troy, and I don't like her freak child that grows up almost into adulthood within the span of 24 hours. Actually, uh, it doesn't reach that. I think it gets into, like, preteen within 24 hours. His whole thing is that it's, like, an cares. entity that... Yeah. We're an hour yeah. and 43 minutes in. Like it's a bad episode. That's all I'm saying. It's. We knew what we were getting into. This is what happens when no new games come out. No, I I've meant got something the child, on the dock for but next also week. Also, this oh. podcast. <laughs> I've got something on the dock for next week. Uh, something okay. I've been holding off on. And I bought a while okay. back. Um, what is this? But I'm not. It's a surprise. But I think you. I don't really know what reaction you will have to it. Uh, J.R. Oliver will be very excited about it. Um. And uh, probably certain people we know on Twitter would be very interested with these specific things in this game. Oh, it's Tokusatsu related. Mm. You're, you're warm. Putting it together. Yeah, actually, yes, there is a Toku thing in there, now they think about it. Mm. So, you have that to look forward to next week. Yeah. Well, Larry, the Ku Klux Klan and SpaceX are trending on Twitter, so that means it's time for us to go. Time for us to (laughs) go into the garage, close the door, and turn the car on. (laughs) All right. uh, No retro corner this week. We'll do one next week. uh, And and whatever weird thing you got on deck to surprise me with. Mm. Well, I'm probably going to be tweeting about it between now and then, so you'll know by the time we record next time. I'll figure it out then. Well, I don't know. (laughs) All right. This episode was all Trek this episode. (laughs) Goodbye, dinosaurs. I'm smarter than Spock, Spock. You ever tell me you will agree? Ain't no brother like the K-I-D-D. You know what I mean? Tell you with the echo? I'm telling you.